here have um, a favorite friend or a favorite person in their life? One, two people, that's it. Three, four, five. You don't have a favorite? Maybe you don't have any favorites? No? Interesting. Would you like to have a favorite? Someone special that's very important to you? It's only a question. Usually people have a, a favorite or two or three sort of thing. Well, I have a, a favorite subject, and that's prayer. And it is really, honestly, a favorite subject. Prayer is uh, one of those things that you, you will never stop learning. There is so much to prayer. I mean, it, you wouldn't believe it, how much is involved in prayer. If I asked you to tell me everything there is to know about the world around us, do you think you could do that in five minutes? No. Could you do it in 10 minutes? If you had 10 minutes, could you tell me everything there is to know in the world? All of the technology, all of the nature, all of the wonders. Could you do it in 10 minutes? No. It would take a long time, wouldn't it? In fact, isn't it true that all through our lives, as we get older and older, we're learning more and we're learning new things and more and more and more. There's too much in the world for one person to know. No one knows it all, right? Because you're always going to meet someone who knows something you don't. Always. And prayer is such a big subject. It's like that. Prayer is not just putting your hands together and saying, now I lay me down to sleep. Or, Lord, thanks for the food. Amen. That, that is just not even the beginning of prayer. Um, you have your Bible. Let's uh, open the Bible to Matthew 17. So I entitled this prayer changes things and people. And Matthew 17 is where we'll begin. Now, I have to be careful of my time. Otherwise I'm going to go over time. There's a acute, acute story about uh, a guy who um, saw a bunch of girls all gathered together and oh, they were all bubbly and excited and talking and jabbering and giggling and laughing and this group of them. And so he, uh, he went over. In fact, it was a pastor and he went over and he, uh, he said, Hey girls, what's up? And one of the girls, uh, held up her, her left hand and on her ring finger was a sparkling diamond. And of course, you know what that means, right? She'd been engaged. Some, some lucky guy had, had put a ring on her finger. And so the pastor simply asked this one question, who's the lucky guy? And that was the last thing he was able to say, because after that, you know, she, she told all about him and showed his pictures and talked about his family tree and on and on and on and on. She went, you see how special he was to her. Prayer should be that to us. The great prayer warriors should be in this room today. Prayer ought to become something so incredible. Like I never believed it. I would have never believed it if you, if you had uh, uh, 
told me, but it's true, it's true, it's true. Prayer changes things and people. Now, Matthew 17, it's a familiar story. And uh, I'll get your help here. We're going to read eight verses. And I'll read the first and you read the second. And I'll read the third and you read the fourth. Okay. All right. Let's begin. After, and after six days, Jesus take Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into an high mountain apart. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with them. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud, which said, This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were sore afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and be not afraid. This passage has a lot of different truths that we can preach from it. But this one on prayer is very important. Now it's true that prayer changes things and prayer is a means of getting things from God. That is absolutely true. The very word prayer means to ask. That's what the word means literally to ask. Perhaps you've heard or read where someone goes to another and says, I pray you give me this. Well, what are they doing? Are they getting on their knees and praying to them as if they were God? No, they're simply asking. They're desiring. I pray you, you see. And so the word prayer means to ask, but prayer is much, much more than just changing things uh, or getting things. Prayer ushers you into a relationship with God. Now that is a key truth. Prayer ushers you into a relationship, a very special, intimate relationship with God himself. And in this relationship, you will change. You will change. It's not a, uh, like some kind of authoritative iron, you know, fist, you will change. It's not that. It's just that it's going to happen. You're going to change. I've been married now to the same woman for going on 40 years. I've changed. I couldn't help it. I've changed. The influence that she has on me has changed me. It really has in so many ways. When you and I get alone with God, we change. It just happens. We change because of his influence upon us. Now him being God, I don't think we're going to change him. Okay. But him being God, I think he's going to change us when we are in his presence. And we sort of see that here. Now, if you were to do a study on the life of Jesus, you would find that he spent a lot of time praying. He was always alone praying to the heavenly father. And sometimes he'd be up early, early in the morning praying. Other times he'd stay up late at night and sometimes pray all night. But he spent a lot of time in prayer. And the disciples saw it. And remember what they asked him? What? 
Lord, teach us to pray. They saw that and they wanted that because the disciples knew that prayer changes things and people. Prayer is a means of getting things from God and changing things. It's really true. It's true. It's true. We had a a great answer to prayer this morning, haven't we? For Pastor Tim and mostly, I guess, for Mrs. Lydia. Because she should have given birth a week ago, but there was no MSP. No medical coverage. And so to go have a baby in the hospital costs between ten dollars and $20,000. Just round it to $15,000. That's a lot of money. $15,000 to have a baby. Who pays for that? Well, if you have the, the medical uh, insurance, the government pays for it. It's like the children are born free almost. <laughs> born free. Anyone ever heard that song before? Born free? Born free. You guys have never heard born free. Man. Well, look it up on YouTube later. Born free. So anyhow, we've been praying. God's been holding off the baby. Things had to come together for just the right time. And this morning, the MSP came and the contractions have started. So you gotta love it, huh? We have a God who can answer prayer, but we have to get alone with God, you know, to see these miracles happen. This church came as a result of prayer. We prayed for a month. We're on our faces praying for a month in the month of September, 1999. And then we gave birth to Grace Baptist Church the next month. God brought it to pass. So you will find that Jesus spent a lot of time alone praying to the father. Now, maybe you've tried this. Maybe you've said, I'm going to spend a good season in prayer. And you lasted a few minutes and your mind went blank and you sort of felt silly and says, well, I don't know what else to pray, Lord. I guess that's it. I guess I got to go. Maybe that's happened to you. It's happened to me when I was in Bible college. I would hear about these great men of God that prayed all night, you know, and saw mir- miracles happen. I'm going to do that. So I got on my knees in my dorm room <clears throat> by my bedside and I'd go to prayer. And the next thing I knew, it my, my alarm was going off in the morning and I was in bed with the covers up to my chin. And I thought, what happened? Well, I fell asleep. Oh, and I felt so bad. Lord, it won't happen tonight. I'll, I'll, you, you'll see Lord. Happened again. I woke up next morning with covers up to my chin, alarm clock going off, waking me up. Oh, I felt like a failure here. Chapter 17, verse two, we're talking about prayer, changing things. Look at this. And Jesus was transfigured before them and his face did shine as the sun and his raiment was white as the light. Back in Exodus chapter 34, Moses spent a lot of time with God in prayer up on the mountain. And when he came down, his face was shining. It scared people. He had to put a veil over his face till it faded away. But he would consistently seem to have that experience. Imagine that your face shining. Well, there are times when people's face shine. When you do have some really good news, when something really exciting happens to you, your face will tend to shine. People will see something has changed. Something's different. You come home, maybe, maybe you've got straight A's or something, or I don't know, maybe you won the jackpot or something. You come home, you know, it's in your eyes, your face glows. They say that when a woman gets pregnant, 
Her face glows. I've never seen it myself, but other women have. I guess they ha they can see that sort of. Prayer ushers you into a relationship with Almighty God. And that's the exciting part about this. And in this relationship, you will change. We have Matthew 17 here, where the Lord Jesus changed uh, in front of those disciples. And you say, well, how do we change? Or what do we change into? Maybe, maybe that's a better question. Well, here's the answer. We become more like Jesus. That's how we change. That's a good change. Some people change for the worse. Hmm? Do you know of anyone who's changed from the worse for the worse? Maybe you knew them when you were a little kid and you used to hang around together or something. You grew up. They kind of went their way. You went yours. Then you heard about them later. Boy, did they ever change for the bad. Have you ever heard anything like that? If not, you will. It happens. It's sad. But imagine being more like Jesus. Can you imagine this for a minute? Having his peace. Now, if anyone had peace, it was Jesus. How do you know Jesus had peace? Well, he was in the boat asleep out on the Sea of Galilee, and there's a wild storm going on, and the 12 disciples were rowing and bailing water, and the boat was filling up, and they thought they were going to die. And they went to him, and they woke him up. And they said, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Do you remember this story? And he sat up and he stood up and he rebuked the wind and the waves and they just lay at his feet. And he turned to the disciples and said, Oh, ye of little faith. You remember that? Isn't that incredible? You know, I've often thought, what would I have done if I was on in the boat? One of the disciples, well, I probably would have done what the other disciples did. When everyone else around you is panicking, then all of a sudden you feel you need to panic. So I probably would have just chimed right in and just cried my heart out or something. But the Lord had peace in the midst of the storm. Peace doesn't mean not having a storm. Peace is found in the midst of the storm. The howling waves crashing and yet you have perfect peace. Jesus had perfect peace. Imagine having perfect peace, especially when final exams come. Imagine that having perfect peace. Even when bad news hits, still going to be all right. You see, that's what we want. We want to be changed into his image, into his likeness. We want to have, imagine having his peace. Imagine having his wisdom, the wisdom of Jesus. Imagine having the joy that Jesus had. And listen, imagine having the relationship with God, the father that Jesus had. Now, wow, come on. That's something. And I'm telling you, Prayer ushers you into a relationship with God Almighty and you will change. You will become more like Jesus. That's uh, apparently what the Bible teaches. Is it even possible? Could it happen? Yes, it will happen. That's the very will of God for each of us to become more like Jesus. Romans chapter 8 verse 29, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be, to be conformed to the image of his son. That's predestination. Predestination means to lay out your steps, your destiny, predestiny, predestinate to lay out your steps. In the Bible, 
Predestination speaks of being conformed to the image of his son, becoming more like Jesus. Romans chapter 12, verse two, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so prayer ushers you into a relationship with God and that experience will change your life. The secret to establish the secret is to establish a daily prayer closet. If you want this for your life, it's not going to just happen on its own. You have to schedule a, a, a holy, special, spiritual, uh, sanctified time and place that you meet with God. So it's not going to happen on its own. You have to make it happen. Um, it's not that hard to do, but it's a little harder to maintain it because once you set it up, the devil's going to say, uh, 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 not without a challenge. And he's going to have this happen, that happen. He's going to have you feel too tired. He's going to whatever, all of his tricks, he's going to destroy. He's going to try his best to destroy that prayer closet. You can't let that happen. When God made his covenant with Abraham, do you remember reading this in Genesis, how God told Abraham to take several animals and cut them in half? You remember reading about this? No. Yes. And it was a covenant that God made with Abraham. And back then they had some weird customs and this was one of their customs. They would divide an animal uh, or, or two or three in half. And then the two people making the agreement would walk together in between, you know, the divided animals. And the meaning was, if either of us break the, uh, the covenant, then that's what's going to happen to us. That was the cultural significance of breaking these animals in half and walking down the middle. Well, Abraham never walked down the middle. Only God walked down the middle. Abraham's job were to, to chase the, the birds away because, you know, you got fresh meat there and the birds are coming in. Abraham's job was to, keep the way clear, chase those crows away. And then God came and walked down the middle. You read about that in Genesis. Now you set up a prayer closet. You're going to have to chase the crows away because there's going to be things. The devil is going to make sure of it. There's going to be things. And let's face it. Some days you're going to fail, but if you have a sincere heart, most days you will succeed. You will. It's like most anything. Most of the time, if you have a sincere heart to do something, you will succeed. Most of the time, you're probably going to slip up once or twice along the way. So your prayer closet will be what you make it to be. And so make yourself a good prayer closet. So here's a couple of tips for you. Make your prayer closet like a church service. You want to include devotional reading, some devotional reading on prayer how to pray. There's great books. R.A. Torrey's got a great book on prayer. Um, Rosalind Goforth wrote a fantastic book called How I Know Prayer Works. Tremendous book. And I mean, you can read a page or a chapter at a time, whatever. So you include devotional reading. Then you include Bible reading. And if you don't know where to start, start in the Psalms, start in the Proverbs, start there. And then you include some hymn singing. You say, mm -mm, what if you can't sing? Well, you can squeak or squawk, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. At worst case scenario, take your cell phone and find some good hymns on there 
and listen to one, maybe sing along with it or something, but get some singing in there, sing praises to him. This is all part of your prayer closet. You say, well, I didn't hear the word prayer. We've got devotional. We've got Bible reading. We've got him singing. Where's the prayer? These things prepare your heart for prayer. You have to warm up your heart because truth is the heart gets cold. It does. You got to warm your heart up. And these are the things by which you can warm your heart up. Now you're all set and you're ready to pray. Now you can pray. Now, if you turn back a few pages, please, to Matthew chapter number six. And I'm just about finished here. Matthew chapter six, you have what we call the Lord's prayer, starting in verse nine. After this manner, therefore pray ye our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And so on right through to verse 13. Here you have the Lord's model prayer and it's a great model to follow. You pray, you say, well, it says here, our father, well, you can pray that if you want, why don't you pray my father, heavenly father. You can even call him dad because you're saved. Abba, father. Abba means daddy. You can call uh, your heavenly father by a more intimate name. So you can use the prayer. So how much time will all of this take? Well, as much as you allow it, that's how much time it'll take. And I suggest that you start with 30 minutes a day. 30 minutes a day. Wow. I'm not sure I do 30 minutes a year. Yeah. Most of us start that way. 30 minutes a day is going to put you into a relationship with God. If you wanted to enter into a relationship with another human being, you've got to spend more than 30 minutes a year. You've got to spend time with that person and get to know them and they get to know you. And that takes time. But the thing is, it's a happy time. I suggest you spend 30 minutes. Here's how I suggest you divide it up. Five minutes for devotional reading. Five minutes for Bible reading. Five minutes for hymn singing. And 15 minutes for prayer. And you should have a prayer list uh, where you start praying for pastor and people and special needs uh, of others. Pray for salvations, pray for missionaries, pray for special events that are happening. But these things need prayer. So you got to warm your heart up and then you spend 15 minutes in prayer. Now here's the, the thing about it. Make sure your family knows that you're going in the prayer closet. Otherwise, they're going to come bang on your door. Hey, I can't find uh, my, my left sock. Do you happen to know where it is? Hey, remember tomorrow we're going to go to such and such a place. And there you are in your prayer closet trying to have a relationship with God. So let your family know, you know, that from this hour to this hour, you're in the prayer closet. And if they could please answer the phone for you, water the plants, walk the dog, answer the door, whatever, sort of to leave you be. That's the idea. So you got to get, let your family know. Now, as you develop your taste for the prayer closet, because to be honest with you, a lot of Christians, they never go this far with prayer and prayer to them is just thanks for the, the food, Lord. Amen. And that's about it. They spend more time reading over the menu at McDonald's 
than they do in prayer with God. That's pretty sad if you ask me. But the more you get into prayer as a relationship, the more you're going to like it. You're going to develop your taste for it. And then, who knows, uh, you're going to want more. It's something like a garden. If you have a garden, you will get out of it what you put into it. And prayer will change you in the most exciting and amazing ways. It really will. And so the Bible says, be instant in prayer. That's very important that we be ready to pray at a moment's notice for things. Be ready to pray. When Mrs. White and I were driving to church this morning, we got the news. Pastor Tim sent the news. The MSP is in and the contractions have started. So we got the news. And so when we got in the parking lot, we parked the van and then we went to prayer and we thanked the Lord and we asked God to keep his protection around them. Be instant in prayer. Anyhow, there's so much, much more. I've not even scratched the surface with you today on what's involved in prayer and the relationship with God and how it changes us. But I think that's enough to get started. Okay, Pastor Silver, I turn it back over to you.